0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature rich application layering product on the market, and also by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also brought to you by policy Pack Software, where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, mitigate ransomware, and more. If you enjoyed the podcast each week, you have them to thank. And now some news. Well, I guess it was inevitable. The first story of this week is around the coronavirus. This podcast is not a current affairs show or general news. It is supposed to focus mainly on enterprise IT related news, but we've now reached the point where this virus is causing ripple effects throughout enterprise IT. First off, as ZDNet has reported, the MVP global summit that is held every year at Microsoft's campus in Redmond, Washington, has been switched from an in-person event to a remote event. Hims. The great medical tech conference that I did a review of on last year's podcast, including the very cool Magic Leap AR surgery training capabilities, has been canceled. NVIDIA announced their GTC conference has been switched to a remote event. And I can say that in Ireland, rugby matches have been canceled, and I've heard that in France, they are not allowing events with more than 5,000 people at them. With suggestions this week that a vaccine for the virus may not arrive until the end of the year, I think we can assume cancellation of tech events and meetups will be a theme for 2020. It sucks, but I guess it is what it is. The great Sean Bass tweeted this week that, quote, in the midst of a potential pandemic is not a good time to make IT contingency plans for pandemics. Does no one recall avian and swine flu scares? Everyone just got complacent again when the risk fell. End quote. Many organizations around the world are currently trying to ramp up their infrastructure or at least test it out for the potential of moving most or all of their employees to work from home while the virus is threatening. One of the hot spots for the virus is of course Washington State where Microsoft and many large tech orgs are based. Microsoft, Amazon, Twitter, and Facebook have all asked some of their employees to work from home. Google in Dublin asked 8,000 of their employees to work from home. It's been reported that some of those tech companies that I mentioned, those large ones, have actually had employees who have tested positive for the virus too. Not all of them, but some. And those are just some examples of tech companies who have been executing their business continuity plans and moving employees to work from home in response to the virus. There's so many more. Now, a company like Microsoft or Google who produce their own remoting tools and have massive infrastructures can turn on a dime and have their employees work remote with limited disruption. I'm sure they're still disrupting to their workflows to meetings and it just changes the dynamic. But probably compared to a lot of others, it's limited disruption. For smaller organizations who are not primarily tech companies, they may need to ramp up to support these remote work initiatives. Unfortunately, as Sean pointed out in his tweet, business continuity plans don't seem to have included letting the majority of workers work from home. They just didn't seem to entail dealing with the pandemic, even though it seems to have been a doomsday scenario that's been predicted for many, many years. There is some good news for those who maybe don't have a tried and tested remote working platform. Google, Microsoft, Nutanix, Cisco and others have been offering free access through extended trials to some of their products like Teams, WeFrame and WebEx to hopefully help see some organizations through at least the initial transition. If you have something like Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops or VMware Horizon in your environment, but you're not scaled up for most of your employees and need more hardware to ramp up, unfortunately, there are reports that organizations are struggling to get their hands on certain hardware like NVMe drives due to a distribution choke point in China due to the spread of the virus. To repeat the why, Sean Bass... In the midst of a potential pandemic is not a good time to make IT contingency plans for pandemics. Unfortunately, the pandemic itself is slowing down companies who manufacture and ship hardware that's required to scale up and support these remote work efforts. Not surprisingly, Citrix and Zoom's stock prices are well up at the time of this recording. I'd just like to say good luck to all of my techie friends out there because I think we're all about to feel a work pinch from this. If you do have Citrix virtual apps and desktops, a quick solution should be a remote PC to allow employees to access their physical desktops in the office when working from home. VMware also have this ability through their direct access feature. So if they're using a desktop today, it's configured, they work effectively on it, It might be a quicker win than trying to build out a virtual desktop and ensuring all their policies and their files and everything is ready to go on this virtual desktop platform that maybe hasn't been tested properly. If you haven't got VDI today, a quicker win is probably that remote PC option. I'll share an article on the topic of remote PC with this episode, which is episode 114. You'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 114. And if you use WebEx, you better get updating because Cisco shared info on two vulnerabilities in the product, or rather, in two of their media players that are contained within WebEx that, if exploited, could allow an attacker to execute malicious code on your system. These vulnerabilities are listed as CVE-2020-3127 and CVE-2020-3128, and both are rated as high severity. So don't sleep on those. Get patching. Unfortunately, all Intel processors released in the past five years contain an unpatchable vulnerability that could allow hackers to compromise almost every hardware-enabled security technology that are otherwise designed to shield sensitive data of users even when a system gets compromised. And this is CVE-2019-0090. So you can see from that name it's 2019, so this is actually an older listing for a vulnerability. But this vulnerability resides in the hard-coded firmware running on the ROM of Intel's Converged Security and Management Engine, which can't be patched without replacing the silicon. So, uh, a doozy. According to thehackernews.com, the vulnerability was actually patched last year. But as it turns out, the extent of the flaw was undervalued and could be exploited in more ways than expected. Researchers at Positive Technologies have now found that the issue can also be exploited to recover the chipset key, a root cryptographic key, or sort of a master password that could help unlock and compromise a chain of trust for other security technologies, including DRM, TPM, and IPT. So I guess if you're using DRM products for, I don't know, like blocking... The ability to copy-paste, screenshot, this is one you might want to be aware of, or hey, if you're using the TPM chips for something like uh, MBAM in your organization, you don't want to sleep on this one either. This means that the flaw could be exploited to extract data from encrypted hard drives and to bypass those DRM protections and access copyright-protected digital content. So basically negates what your DRM is supposed to be protecting you from. I feel like this could be a story that's just developing and is probably going to drag out over the next few weeks, so I'll keep you posted. Citrix this week shared some known issues with Citrix profile management version 1912 that include a couple of doozies. First, file type association roaming fails. It's a pretty big one. Also, it's been noted that attempts to open Calculator, Sticky Notes, and similar apps from the Start menu might fail also. The issue occurs because Profile Management 1912 disables permission inheritance of all application packages to the HKEY Current User Software Microsoft Registry key. The All Application Packages group consequently loses its permission to all child keys of HKEY Current User Software Microsoft. For example... Microsoft slash Windows as a workaround for this you can contact Citrix support and get a private package to create profiles for existing users. You can just enable the permission inheritance of all application packages for the key manually. There's also the possibility the profile management service may fail to start. There's also a recommended workaround for this and I'll share a link on how to work around it with this episode. So if you run into that, check out the reference links for this episode too. Tim Mangan has updated his great TM edit tool for AppV. Version 1.12 includes a new detection is added for packages containing program data files. Descriptions for several detection issues have been updated to reflect recent changes in the package support framework to fix these issues. There's also fixes around short names, .NET analysis, and UI improvements, too. A small note from Microsoft that may not be completely insignificant for your organization, depends on your org, but they are changing the background image in their Azure AD sign-in page. If your users rely on Azure Active Directory and MFA and maybe aren't the most tech savvy, this might lead to some calls from those who are worried about a change thinking it might be malicious. So it's just a heads up. The nice image with the mountains in the background that you've probably seen a thousand times before when signing in is being changed to a more flat, colorful background instead. So it's just colors and no like scenery or anything like that on it. So you'll see that change the annual vdi like a pro survey is now open once again the report generated from the results of the survey is awesome each year i have graciously been allowed to use some of the poll results in the past related to application deployment methods being used by my buddy ruben who helps create the survey each year so please do take a few minutes to complete the survey the results are always very interesting and obviously the more people who complete the survey the greater the data and the more powerful it will be. I'll share a link with this episode again, the reference links for episode 114, and you'll find that on five 5bytespodcast.com. If you plan to go to the awesome EUC Masters Retreat in Scottsdale, Arizona this April, there's good news. There will be a CGC Excel event held on Friday, April 17th with some great sponsors and vendors lined up. If you're interested in it, make sure you register today. And while I'm talking about C.U.G.C. events, if you're in Ireland, my local C.U.G.C. will be holding their next event in Dublin on March 25th at the Radisson Golden Lane, and you can register for that one today, too. And now, some scripts, tricks, and tips. First off this week, Jim Moyle shared a really great series of how-to videos on FS Logics. If you're just getting started with the product, check these out. It should make the setup a lot easier for you, and it gives great explanations too. Also, Citrix CTA Manuel Winkle shared a really cool script. If you need to enlarge all of your FSLogix containers, you could do so with this script. And also, keeping on the topic of FSLogix, the excellent Rene Bigler shared his script for cleaning up FSLogix profile containers. He explains in the accompanying blog post that each year as the college year changes and the graduates leave, they go into cleanup mode so this type of script is required and could come in handy for those with a term process too in pretty much any enterprise. So when employees are leaving and you're clearing out, I don't know, maybe their AD profile, if you use folder redirection, you're clearing out the redirected folders for that user you could also clean up their FSLogix profile container too using the script. And finally, James Rankin is back with a bang. He shared a really great how-to article on integrating Microsoft Authenticator MFA to your Windows 10 login. It's a really in-depth article, as I think pretty much all of James's work is. It's really, really great. And it will take all of the guesswork out of doing this. So if integrating the Authenticator into your Windows 10 login... Sounds interesting? you got to check this article out. The article also goes through the enrollment process too. Well, that's it for another week. Thank you all so much for listening.